Eye on 2020, episode 331. When somebody's the president of the United States, the authority is total. The authority is total. The authority is total. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Find out what is in it. In an empire lies, the truth is treason. The truth is treason. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. By the military-industrial complex. I don't know about you, but I am always dealing with these clueless people on the internet and in my daily life, and I was looking to learn how to defend libertarianism, and if you're in that same position, you want to learn how to defend libertarianism, advocate for a free market, and win any political or economic debate, then you need to join Liberty Classroom. That's Tom Wood's Liberty Classroom, and you could do that by going to eyeontheempire.com slash liberty. If you do that, you'll be able to earn the equivalent of a PhD in libertarian thought and free market economics online for just 24 cents a day. That's amazing. Once again, go to eyeontheempire.com slash liberty. What's up, everybody? Ray in here, your host of Eye on 2020. Appreciate you joining me for another week looking at the news and events of 2020 as well as the election cycle. I wanted to get a little bit off of the election, though, and not talk about that today. I wanted to kind of move over towards the coronavirus and things that are going on with that because you are starting to see a spike in some countries right now of new infections and new deaths. Uh, you're starting to see a second wave in some of these countries as well. And there's been a few countries that are not seeing a second wave. Actually, uh, there's countries that are doing pretty darn good that never locked down. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that today as well. And uh, a new strategy that's come out for that that should be pushed on a lot of governments, that, that should be embraced by a lot of politicians in these governments. But I'm not sure that it's going to. And there's a lot of criticism around it and so forth. But... Um, it's something that happened last, that's something that came out last week, it's called the uh, Great Barrington Decla- Declaration, and it's a new strategy that they're calling focused protection, and I think that's pretty pretty solid, I really do, and it's a strategy that should be used, because let's be honest, we know who dies from the COVID-19, we know who are most at risk of death from COVID-19. It's not the children that are going to school. As a matter of fact, if you count everyone under 14 years of age, there's been less than 100 deaths. I think it's still like 64 deaths total of children that are under 14 years old. There's been about 320 deaths of the age 15 to 24. And then... It goes up a little bit in each age group. But we know who is most likely to die. Children are more likely to die walking to school than die from COVID-19. Children are almost, you know, the least, they are the least likely to die from COVID-19. 
So we know who it's killing. It's killing people that are 65 years and older. Mostly it's killing people that are 80, you know, 75, 80, 85 years old. 90, I think it's 96% of the deaths are people that are over 65. So what, what's wrong with the strategy that we're doing now? Why are we doing a strategy where it's a lockdown for everybody? It's a one-size-fits-all plan. Why are we doing such a, such a stupid strategy? If there is a disease that kills a certain group of people, then you focus on those people. If colon cancer runs in someone's family, then they get screened more often than someone that does not have colon cancer running in their family. Breast cancer is the same thing. There's, there's focused things that we do in life in order to mitigate risks. And the, the process that's being followed by most countries right now, I heard it said the other day, it's a process that was talked about by China, who welded people into their houses and shut down entire cities and so forth. And, so, and everybody adopted that strategy, the totalitarian strategy to limit the spread of a virus. But think about this for a minute. You lock everybody down. Picture a dam. You build a dam on a river. And it starts to build up water behind it. And slowly, that water level starts to rise until you get to a certain level. Then you have to release a little bit of water. And you get a trickle that goes out, and then eventually you have the river flowing again. But you have to, you're holding back a certain amount of water. And that's the same thing with the lockdowns. You're locking people down. And yes, you stop some of that water from coming out. You stop some of that spread from happening because you locked everybody down. Everybody is not allowed to go outside. You're forced to social distance. You're going to grocery stores, and that's about it. And I mean, California, from my understanding, has been locked down pretty significantly since March. In the San Francisco Bay Bay Area, same thing. That's my understanding. I don't know. I don't know if they've lifted these lockdowns or whatever. But a lot of places are talking about locking down again. These strategic lockdowns to stop people from spreading the virus. But these lockdowns, what they do, because this is what you're starting to see now, especially in India. You're starting to see it, but you're seeing it in pretty much every state that has done lockdowns, and then they release people. It's like that. That dam just bursts and everybody goes outside, goes out and mingles. They've been built up this pent-up desire to go out to a restaurant, this pent-up desire to go do something. They have this, this exhaustion from being inside for so long and being pent-up and cooped up. So they go out to restaurants, they go to hotels, they go on vacations. They're just getting out there and doing stuff. And you're going to have a spike in cases again. And then you lock down again, and then you just keep on doing that. So you're just going to have these ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. Every time you turn around, you have to you have to lock everybody down. In India, for example, right now, they're seeing 
you know, a thousand deaths a day. This is a this is a country of a billion people, by the way. They're seeing a thousand deaths a day, sometimes more. They're seeing this huge dramatic spike in cases, and they say these people are fatigued from the lockdown because they had a very intense lockdown back in March and April, in May, and I think they just released recently released it. And they never had a dramatic spike in India, though. But the government got terrified and petrified, and they just did not let anybody do anything. They just locked everybody down, made it illegal to go outside. They had some very intense lockdowns, and then the people are worn out on that now. And now, because that dam has burst, it's very hard to get people to decide to go back in again. Decide to be careful again. Because they're saying, no, we don't care. You did this to us and look, nothing happened. How do you bring people back? How do you how do you re-lock down? Well, you know what? There's a strategy behind it. That's what they talk about in the Great Barrington Declaration. There's a strategy called focused protection. So you don't have to have those ups and downs. So you don't have to shut down your entire economy because of a specific group who we know are the most at risk. And you want to build a certain amount of herd immunity. They've been talking about that and people joke about it and laugh at it, but it's a scientific fact. You say follow science. It's a scientific fact that herd immunity exists. It's, it's a natural thing. There's a certain herd immunity that we had as Europeans coming over to the Americas for smallpox, but the native population did not have any sort of immunity to that. And some of these diseases, not just smallpox, but a lot of the diseases that Europeans carried, the Native Americans did not have any sort of immunity to it, and it ravaged the population. We nowadays you don't hear about the Spanish flu anymore of nineteen eighteen because they we've built herd immunity to it. There's a certain amount of herd immunity that we get naturally from the spread of viruses over time. Whether it's thirty percent, sixty percent, ninety percent of people that have to get something in order to develop it, that's something that develops over time. But if 50% of people have it, then 50% of people out there that you come in contact with are less likely to give it to you. If 30% of people have had it, then 30% less of your contacts are going to have the potential to give it to you. So it's going to slow the spread even over time. So anyway, this is not me talking though. This is great. The It's Great Barrington Declaration and it was signed and written by three people who are way more intelligent than me. One of them is a professor of medicine at Harvard University. That's Dr. Martin Koldorf. We have Dr. Sunetra Gupta, professor at Oxford University, an epidemiologist with expertise in immunology, vaccine vaccine development, and mathematical modeling of infectious disease. She's considered to be the foremost expert in infectious diseases across the world. And she signed this thing. She actually, these are the three that wrote it. And then you have Dr. J. 
I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, but it's Bhattach- I guess I have to try. But Dr. J. Bhattacharya, and I'm sure I just destroyed that, and he's prof- a professor at S- uh, Stanford University Medical School, a physician, epidemiologist, health economist, and public health policy expert focusing on infectious disease in vulnerable populations. Huh. So these are people, I mean, this is not just some dude at some community college. This isn't some dude at University of Florida or University of Ohio. No, this is like Harvard University, Oxford University, and Stanford University. Like, these are pretty solid schools. These are good credentials to have. This is not just some random person. No, these are pretty, pretty, you know, pretty intelligent people. I'm sure they have some understanding since Sinetra Gupta is considered like the foremost expert in her field. And she's the one that, and these are the three people that wrote it. And then there's co-signers throughout the medical and public public health uh, fields all over the world that signed this thing. People from Oxford and Yale, University of London, Harvard Medical School, Cambridge, like all over the world. University of Canterbury in New Zealand. I mean, just hundreds of people have signed this thing. And this is what it says, guys. I'm going to go ahead and and read it, okay? It says, As infectious disease epidemiologists and public health scientists, we have grave concerns about the damaging physical and mental health impacts of the prevailing COVID-19 policies and recommend an approach we call focused protection. So that's what they're calling it, focused protection. Coming from both the left and right and around the world, we have devoted our careers to protecting people. Current lockdown policies are producing devastating effects on short and long-term public health. The results, to name a few, include lower childhood vaccination rates, worsening cardiovascular disease outcomes, fewer cancer screenings, and deteriorating mental health leading to greater excess mortality in years to come, with the working class and younger members of society carrying the heaviest burdens, keeping students out of school is a grave injustice. So let me stop there for a second. And I was thinking about this, worsening cardiovascular disease outcomes and fewer cancer screenings. So for example, if you are somebody who can possibly get cancer. You're over 50 years old, and there's a typical thing that you do. You go to your doctor, you get cancer, you get different cancer screenings. You might get a colonoscopy. A woman, you know, is going to be checked for breast t- cancer and so forth. There are fewer cancer screenings going on, which has resulted in fewer cancer diagnoses this year. Is that some miracle? Is there is there is that a miracle? of modern medicine that there's fewer cancer diagnoses this year? Is that a miracle that God just said, you know what, we're curing cancer? No, guys. That is because there's less cancer screenings going on. That's the difference between catching something in stage one versus stage two, three, or four. That's the difference between life and death for a cancer patient. 
there's negative there there's negative consequences to the lockdown other than you know it's 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 saving some lives but there's other unintended consequences to the lockdowns and that's different medical outcomes for other people suicide rates and so forth are going up among young people like suicide hotline numbers people are there's like 75% more people calling these suicide hotlines than before the lockdowns someone said and I heard this somewhere that the number of people caught like or the number of kids who said they have that are 13 to 17 that have considered committing suicide this month is like twice as high as it normally is so i mean it's just there's negative impact to people's health when you have people locked down when you have societies locked down it's a bad thing so anyway moving on finish let me see so keeping these measures in place the lockdowns in place until a vaccine is available will cause irreparable damage and the underprivileged disproportionately are harmed fortunately our understanding of the virus is growing we know that vulnerability to death from covid-19 is more than a thousand fold higher in the old and infirm than in the young. Indeed, for children, COVID-19 is less dangerous than many other harms, including influenza. As immunity builds in the population, the risk of infection to all, including the vulnerable, falls. We know that all populations will eventually reach herd immunity, i.e. the point at which the rate of new infections is stable, and that this can be assisted by but is not dependent upon a vaccine. Our goal should therefore be to to minimize mortality and social harm until we reach herd immunity. The most compassionate approach that balances the risks and benefits of reaching herd immunity is to allow those who are at minimal risk of death to live their lives normally, to build up immunity to the virus through natural infection, while better protecting those who are at highest risk. We call this focused protection. So that's it, guys. That's the, that's the basis of fo- focused protection. Let the general population of people who are at low risk, specifically people that are, I would assume, under 50 years old, go about their normal day-to-day activities. While the people that are the most risk, let them take the necessary precautions. Give them the ability to take the necessary precautions if you need to. Spend the money where it's going to be to do the most good. And that's going to be protecting the most vulnerable people in our society while allowing the other people to go about their lives because that's going to increase the herd immunity among those people and it's going to be less likely that the rest get infected if 70 percent of our population is under 65 
And all of those people that are under 65 got the virus, and those are the least likely to die from the virus, by the way. Now, of those 70% of people who are under 65, I'm just throwing out that number, I'm not sure if that's the number, but if that 70% of people that are under 65 and 1% or 2% of those people are high risk, then they stay home too. But at least we build up a herd immunity over time. And I, that is exactly what these people are saying. And we've been saying that on this show for a long time. I've been saying that. And I've been reading a lot about this idea for a long time as well. But now you're starting to get people that are coming together to talk about it. You're getting scientists that are coming together and saying, yeah, that's the strategy that works the best. So we call this focused protection. Adopting measures to protect the vulnerable should be the central aim of public health response to COVID-19. By way of example, nursing homes should use staff with acquired immunity and perform frequent PCR tests of other staff and all visitors. Staff rotation should be minimized. Retired people living at home should have groceries and other essentials delivered to their home. When possible, they should meet family members outside rather than inside. A comprehensive and detailed list of measures, including approaches to multi-generational households, can be implemented and, and is well within the scope and capability of public health professionals. Those who are not vulnerable should immediately be allowed to resume life as normal. Simple hygiene measures, measures such as hand washing and staying home when sick should be practiced by everyone to reduce the herd immunity threshold. Schools and universities should be open for in-person teaching. Extracurricular activities such as sports should be resumed. Young Low-risk adults should work normally rather than from home. Restaurants and other businesses should open. Arts, music, sports, and other cultural activities should resume. People who are more at risk may participate if they wish, while society as a whole enjoys the protection conferred upon the vulnerable by those who have built up herd immunity. October 4th, 2020, this declaration was authored and signed by, in Great Barrington, United States by Dr. Martin Coldruff, Dr. Sunetra, Gupta and Dr. J. Budacharya. I'm like I said that that it's almost unpronounceable <laughs> by a layperson like myself. So anyway, guys, that's it. Get back out there and live your life normally. Build up herd immunity as young people, so that the older people and the infirm people will suddenly be protected by you and me who have already had it. I have a I I have another podcast called Guys of the Bar Talking Sports and one of the shows that we did and, the, and we haven't done it since um since they canceled all sports but I started doing that show with some friends just joking around it's a lot of cursing hanging out drinking drinking beer at the bar and all that stuff but on one of the episodes we were talking about this thing and one of the guys said lock up all the old people and let or you know let us go about our business and like that that was the idea that we came up with like yo yeah just throw all those people on a, all the old people and infirm throw them on a cruise ship for 3 months and let them hang out and not get covid solitude out there in the ocean you know doing whatever they do on cruise ships and hanging out let all those people get out there on the cruise ship and let all of us get it and then boom we're good to go and obviously you can't do that but you need to protect the most vulnerable spend that money that's public money 
I mean, libertarians, we don't think that you should be spending any money anywhere, but if they're going to be spending that money somewhere, it needs to go towards the most vulnerable in society and let us all get out there and do what we're going to do. There are unintended consequences to lockdown. And I hope that this declaration gets passed around so that others will be able to see it and so that others can sign on to it. And so that we can get past this madness, guys, because this is madness. It is absolute madness what our governments are doing to us right now in the name of protection and safety. I mean, our children think that this is the only solution. My son said to me that he thinks that the that they should lock everybody down for two weeks, like everybody. Nobody leaves their houses or anything because we just need to get past this and because people are dying. And he's... 12 years old, he doesn't understand government and the negatives of something that like that. Like, he really thinks that if he just locked everyone in a, in a house for three weeks, that the government would just go away. But that's not how respiratory infections work. They never go away. You have to build up herd immunity. There's not a way to get rid of it. Except through that. Yeah, I didn't teach my kid right, apparently. <laughs> I, I was, like, disappointed that I have not gotten through to my kid that less government is better but anyway if i can't teach him at least i can uh talk to you guys about it right and convince some of you hopefully but anyway um hey i'm gonna go ahead and get off of that subject now i'm gonna go ahead and wrap up the show but check that out okay you go to gbdeclaration.org and i'll put that in the show notes dbdeclaration.org and you can actually sign the declaration as well as a layperson as well as if you are a scientist or a doctor there are thousands there are 3,826 medical and public health scientists that have signed it 6,535 medical practitioners and then general public is 95,000 people have signed it so get out there and sign that declaration guys let people know that you demand that these government officials stop the lockdowns, and if they're going to spend money anywhere, it needs to be on the people that are the most vulnerable. And that is all I got for you guys. Keep on looking for the show. Um, every Monday and Thursday, I'll be doing a show for you, even after the election, because this thing is not going to be wrapped up until November, late November or December, possibly. But anyway, go ahead. Five-star ratings and reviews are always helpful on your um, Apple Podcast app. And then the best thing you can do, though, is uh, follow also through Facebook and on Twitter. And that would be just going to I, at I and the Empire. And then come on back on Thursday so you can have a clear vision for 2020.